So, the big question is this. How are pitching coaches like us, who aren't lazy and driven by our ego, who actually care about getting every player better, how do we coach in a way that lets us break free from the status quo, see things differently, and impact each one of our players for the better, all while changing the landscape of this game? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andy Powers, and welcome to the Pitching Secrets Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Andy here, and thank you for uh, joining me for another edition of the Pitching Secrets Podcast. And so today, we're going to do something, uh, maybe a a little bit of a departure, uh, potentially, from maybe some of the things we normally talk about. But the reason I'm going to talk about it is because what I found is that uh, this is something that doesn't get worked on a lot in practices. Uh, it is something that when it pops up in a game, that it is uh, can be very much a difference between winning and losing, and that also, oftentimes the pitcher is very much involved in this. And of course, what I'm talking about today is rundowns. And I was kind of inspired by this to talk about it because I was at uh, I was at the park just uh, last weekend, and uh, there was a. a, a, a 11-year team, 11-year-old team that was practicing, and they were uh, working on rundowns. And so I was just having a chance to kind of overhear them, watch what they were doing and stuff. And they were doing some good stuff. Um, but I found that in a lot of the teams that I've been around, a lot of teams I've watched and observed, that oftentimes we can make the rundowns very, very complicated. And then at the same time, we hardly ever work on them. So what I hope to do today in today's talk is to actually give you a very simple strategy of way to to do this rundown, which is um, almost as good as you can get it as far as rundowns go, and how you can do this every single day uh, in just a matter of minutes so that it can uh, be something that you guys are well versed on and prepared for when it happens in a game. So the very first thing about rundowns, and this is my personal preference here, you can do what you want, I'm sure that you have your own opinions, but I have personally never liked the verbal when you get caught in a rundown. So if our pitcher, you know, let's say he picks to first base, and so we've now we're in a rundown between first and second base. I've never been a fan of the second baseman or the shortstop uh, calling for the ball because, yeah, the the first baseman who's running, who's who's got the ball and running, you know, can hear that, but so can the runner. And I really like the element of surprise, right? You know, our job as a defender is that we've got this guy caught. We want to get the out as fast as possible. End it. Put him out of their misery, especially if there's other guys on, like maybe at third base, right? So I want to I want to end this as fast as possible. Well, a couple of things about it was is that if you do not if you've got the ball and you're running uh, towards the runner, if you do not see the numbers on the back of his jersey, then you have not forced him to commit to make a decision, which means you're not running at him hard enough. Okay, so there's there's the first thing. But secondly, is even if you do see the numbers on his back, if he hears or sees the uh, shortstop or second baseman in front of him yell for ball, he knows that that's an opportunity for him to change directions, right? And then it can create confusion because he changes directions. The guy running with the ball might be, uh, you know, might throw, but then he doesn't throw, so nobody knows what's happening or when it's going to happen. Uh, at the same time, if the runner's side shuffling because the guy, the, the first baseman's not running him hard enough, then he can get in these pump fakes. And I hate pump fakes too because the guy who's going to be receiving that throw doesn't really know when exactly that throw is coming. So he's always on his heels trying to, uh, you know, kind of be a little defensive because 
as you're pump faking, you're closing the distance between you and your receiver. So that so the distance between the guy with the ball and the guy catching it gets shorter and shorter, which makes it harder and harder. So here's how I ran my rundowns, and it you know proved to be you know very easy and very successful. So you pick off to first. Let's say use that for the example. The first baseman is sprinting at the runner forcing him to make a decision and he's running with the ball in his throwing hand out in front of him if he goes for the tag he just quickly puts the ball in his glove to secure it and tags him otherwise he's running on the inside part of the baseline towards second base and driving him towards second base now at the same time second baseman or shortstop whoever it is is going to start out about three steps in front of second base in the line so he's going to close the gap when that person, when the shortstop, let's just say it's a shortstop, when the shortstop wants the ball, all he's going to do is take two steps and flash his hand and his glove up in front of his chest. The first baseman, when he sees the, the glove in his hand flash up, that is his indicator to throw a firm ball right to the shortstop's chest. Now, the shortstop, in taking those two steps, is closing the distance down between the runners, but he's not going to take two steps and stop. He's going to take two steps and keep moving. That way, he can take that throw and already be in movement back the other way towards the runner. If you time this right, the shortstop should catch the ball, and it's almost like a catch, step, and tag because the runner's not going to have time to readjust. Plus, the runner never knew that he was going to be throwing the ball anyways because there was no verbal. And there were no pump fakes because the first baseman's just sitting there running with the ball in visibility until he sees the shortstop flash the glove. Now, you're just going to keep doing this, and of course the pitcher, when he picks, he's going to funnel in behind that first baseman and take that spot in case that rundown gets extended beyond that. The key to this also, though, is that whoever's got the ball, when they give it up, they need to peel off towards the pitcher's mound. It doesn't matter if you're the shortstop running back towards first. If you give it up, you peel off towards the pitcher's mound. If you're the first baseman running towards second and you give it up, you peel off towards the pitcher's mound. And you're going to keep doing that. This will ensure that you do not accidentally run into the base runner and then give him a free base when you've got an out. Okay, So that was basically the very simple process that we used to do rundowns. It was incredibly effective, but every single time you do it, you have to do it with full-blown intensity. You have to go at them with full intent and force that runner to make a decision. Now, how did we do this every single day? It was really, really cool and, and, and really easy to do. Your team goes and gets their bodies loose at the beginning of practice or before a game. It doesn't matter. So after they've gotten themselves loose, but before they throw... You're going to divide your team up into two groups at least. All right. So if you've got a team of 12, let's say you divide your group into two groups of six. Okay. Or you could just do four groups of three. It's really your choice. But you're going to have one group on the foul line, and you're going to have another group even with second base. Now, the guy on the foul line, the first guy up on that line, he's going to start the whole thing. And he's going to start out first one. He's going to jog. He's going to jog at 50%. He's going to jog towards the line at second base and he's just going to jog at 50 percent the guy at second base is going to take his steps flash the glove he's going to give him the throw and he's going to peel off towards the pitcher's mound and then the guy at second base is going to run back towards the foul line you're going to keep doing this until the guy who started the whole thing is back at the front of the line at the foul line okay and when he is the guy that ends up running to him, he's just going to flash his glove and he's going to be like a throw and he's going to simulate a tag. 
Okay, so now everybody's gone through the line a couple of times. Now the next round you're going to do, and you're going to do it at 75% effort. Same thing. Give up the throw, peel off towards the pitcher's mound. And you're just going to keep weaving through there all the way through the line until that guy's back to the start. And then finally you're going to do it at 100%. This is a full-blown sprint. You're going to notice, by the way, that you, when you're full-blown sprints, your throws don't have to be as, as hard because all of the momentum of the throw of the running is going to be carried into that throw. So it just becomes more of a, of a, a firm dart, if you will. But you're just going to run at full speed, 100%. And you're just going to weave it in and out, boom, 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 doing it. And it may take a little bit before you to get the idea, but this becomes part of your daily routine. It also helps just to kind of get the body a little bit more warmed up and loose. But you're actively working on something that is important to the game and is something that we're not getting a lot of time in in practice. Okay, So that when it happens in practice or when you do it in a game, you're far better prepared because you're working on this every single day. And it probably, when you get it right, depending on your number of players that you have, you could probably get this whole thing done in about five to seven minutes. It really starts to happen very fast. Uh, but again, you're doing it with quality work. And then if you see some things that you don't like, that's an opportunity for you to get in and teach it and correct it. But that is how we can run our rundowns. And you want your pitchers involved in that too, for sure. Especially if you've got guys who only pitch, they definitely need to be involved in the rundown aspects of it as well. Okay. So I hope that that is helpful for you. And I appreciate you being a part of this. And I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. You guys have a good one and take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pitching Secrets Podcast. If you want to learn more secrets to enhancing your pitching coach abilities and add to your playbooks, all while breaking free from today's status quo of coaching, then I want you to join me in my movement to becoming a pitching boss. To start, I'd like to give you a free three-day masterclass for pitching coaches. In this masterclass, we will take a deep dive together on arm care, creating your daily routine, and developing your pitching staff rotation. Go to pitchingcoachmasterclass.com and sign up today to get started.